0: Wow, 30 years. I was at Ashgrove Baptist Church, young adults pastor. Remember the team standing up on the platform there and being prayed over and being sent out, 60 of them, I remember. Look what God has done in 30 years. Truly remarkable. We have a special birthday. Where's she gone? Jenny. Jenny's birthday just recently. Yesterday, I think it was. Is that right? So, yes. Yes. Make sure you wish Jenny a happy birthday at morning tea. Gets up on 4am on a Wednesday morning to bake scones for us. We're all asleep fast in bed. Jenny's in the kitchen. Yes, absolutely. Some people say, Neil, only come to inspire for the scones. I say, that's okay. That's all right. That's okay. That's all good. We're looking forward to those in just a short time. We thank Jenny for that. You may not know, I just heard recently that the same number of people who come here at Inspire every second Wednesday, the same number watch the service online. So it's about 100, 110, 120 people come here on a Wednesday morning. About the same number of people watch the service online. That's truly incredible when I think about it, amazing. In two weeks' time, we have John Mansfield come and sharing with us. So he's from Baptist World Aid, so make sure that you come to that service in two weeks' time. Okay, we're working our way through selected chapters of Isaiah. We come to Isaiah chapter 36 and ch- chapter 37 this morning. Look, they're a little bit lengthy. I thought about summarising them or cutting them down, but I thought, well, a kind of, you know, it's a story. It, it, it makes sense, really, just to uh, uh, keep going with the two chapters. So I hope you don't mind. Uh, I'll read those two chapters to us now, and then we'll ha- have a look at them more, in more detail. Chapter 36 of Isaiah. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, King Sennacherib of Assyria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. The king of Assyria sent the Rab Shaka from Lachish to King Hezekiah of Jerusalem with a great army. He stood by the conduit at the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And there came out to him Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who was in charge of the palace, and Shebna the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph the recorder. The Rabshakeh said to them, Say to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, On what do you base this confidence of yours? Do you think that mere words are and strategy and power for war? On whom do you now rely that you have rebelled against me? See, you are relying on Egypt, that broken reed of a staff, which will pierce the hand of anyone who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who rely on him. But if you say to me, we rely on the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar?' Come now, make a wager with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to set riders on them. How, can the, how then can you repulse a single captain among the least of my master's servants when you rely on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Moreover, is it, is it without the Lord that I have come up against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Then Eliakim Shebna and Joash said to the Rabshakeh, please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Do not speak to us in the language of Judah within the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But the Rabshakeh said, has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you, and not to the people sitting on the wall who are doomed with you to eat their own dung and drink their own urine? Ugh. Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah. Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah make you rely on the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us. The city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria. Make your peace with me and come out to me, then every one of you will eat from your own vine and your own fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you by saying, the Lord will save us. Has any of the gods of the nation saved their land out of the hand of the king of Syria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of uh, Seraphim? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all the gods of these countries have saved their countries out of my hand, that the Lord should save Jerusalem out of my hand? But they were silent and answered him not a word, for the king's command was, Do not answer him. Then Eliakim son of Hilkiah who was in charge of the palace and Shebna the secretary and Joah son of Asaph the recorder came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of the Rabshakeh. Now when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim who was in charge of the palace and Shebna the secretary and the senior priests, covered with sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. And they said to him, thus says Hezekiah, this is a day of distress, of rebuke and of disgrace. Children have come to the the birth and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God heard the words of the Rabshaker, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master... Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. I myself will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. The Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard concerning Terhakar of Ethiopia. He has set out to fight against you. When he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to King Hezekiah of Judah. Do not let your God, on whom you rely, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. See, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, destroying them utterly. Shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them, the nations that my predecessors destroyed, Gozan, Har- Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Telesar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Seraphim, the king of Hino, or the king of Iva? Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. Then Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, you who are enthroned above the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands, and have hurled their gods into the fire, though they were no gods but the work of human hands, wood and stone, and so they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, "'Thus says the Lord of God of Israel, "'Because you have prayed to me concerning King Sennacherib of Assyria, "'this is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. "'She despises you, she scorns you, virgin daughter Zion. "'She tosses her head behind behind your back, daughter Jerusalem. "'Whom have you mocked and reviled? "'Against whom have you raised your voice "'and haughtily lifted your eyes? "'Against the Holy One of Israel?' "'By your servants you have mocked the Lord, "'and you have said, with my many chariots, "'I have gone up the heights of the mountains "'to the far recesses of Lebanon. "'I felled its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses. "'I came to its remotest height, its densest forest. "'I dug wells and drank waters. "'I dried up with the sole of my foot "'all the streams of Egypt.'" Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass that you should make fortified cities crash into heaps of ruins. While their inhabitants shorn of strength and dismayed and confounded, they have become like plants of the field and like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blighted before it is grown. I know you're rising up and you're sitting down, you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me. Because you have raged against me and your arrogance has come to my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. I will turn you back on the way by which you came. And this shall be the sign for you. This year, eat what grows of itself and in the second year what springs from that. Then in the third year, sow, reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For from Jerusalem, a remnant shall go out, and from Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, shoot an arrow there, come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege, ramp against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. He shall not come into this city, says the Lord, for I'll defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David." Then the angel of the Lord set out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. When morning dawned, they were all dead bodies. Then King Sennacherib of Assyria left, went home and lived in Nineveh. As he was worshipping in the house of his god Nisroch, his sons Adremelech and Sharaziah killed him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat, his son Esau Haddon succeeded him these two chapters are about trust they're about trust i came across this the other day i'm sure you'll enjoy it once the members of a church decided to pray for rain and on the day of prayer all the members gathered but only one boy came with an umbrella that's faith every night we go to sleep With no assurance, we will be alive the next morning, but we still set the alarm to wake up, that is hope. We plan big things for tomorrow in spite of zero knowledge of the future, that is confidence. We see the world suffering, but we still get married and have children, that is love. On an old man's shirt was written, I am not 80 years old. I am sweet 16 with 64 years experience. That is attitude. (laughs) And when you throw babies in the air, they laugh because they know you will catch them. That is trust. That is trust. Trust. The firm belief in the reliability, reliability, truth or ability of someone or something. Every day we trust. We have to trust. We trust that when we arise in the morning, it's almost a little bit earlier than others, that the sun is going to come up. We trust in our hot water systems. There's going to be a hot shower there for us, that the fridge is still working. There'll be food for Breakfast. We trust in the governments that they will do the right thing by us. We trust even in the church that when we come here on a Wednesday morning, the place will be clean, that the audio guys will all be set up and ready to go. Jenny's scones will be here as well. We trust that that will happen, don't we? But in whom do we trust when a crisis occurs in our lives? And I'm sure we've all experienced some of those sometimes. Those events that happen to us that are outside of our control where we feel helpless and hopeless and we think, you know, who can help me in this situation? In whom do we trust on those occasions? Family issues, health issues, financial issues, career, job issues. In whom do we trust? Well, if Isaiah 36 and 37 speaks about anything, it's just trusting in the Lord, isn't it? trusting in the lord a new king had come onto the scene since we looked last time and this man's name was hezekiah the son of ahaz ahaz was a bad king ahaz didn't trust in god as we've seen previously but his son hezekiah turned it around interesting in the old testament It's uh, particularly in some period in Israel's life, you have the pendulum swing of a father who was a really, really bad king and then his son comes to power and he does the opposite. He puts his trust in God and he he tries to put away everything that his father's done and then after he dies, his son then turns bad. The pendulum goes like this quite often in Israel's history. Well, Hezekiah was faced with a dire situation And that if he allowed it to occur, would mean the destruction of Jerusalem. But what he did do, and of course, as we've seen from this chapter, is that he listened to Isaiah and he put his trust in the Lord. He knew that in and of himself, he was helpless. Unlike his father, Ahaz, he didn't want to make some alliance with this great superpower in the north, Assyria, And so he began preparing Jerusalem for this impending siege, this power, this force from the north that was coming down to attack the city. One thing he did do, and here's a picture up on the screen, is that he built an underground tunnel. This is it, actually. You can still see it today. That connected Jerusalem's main water source, the Gihon Spring, with the pool of Siloam. And his intention was that no water would outflow from the city of Jerusalem, that it would all be kept inside the city walls from the Gihon Spring down to the pool of Siloam. Now, this was a tactical move because the armies that would come and attack Jerusalem, obviously need water, would partake of the water that was outside of the city it was there so now he's keeping it within the city of walls the armies that come to attack they look around for water for drink and washing and everything else right there is no water to be found previously the unused water used by the inhabitants of jerusalem would flow into the kidron valley but hezekiah cut off that water source and also fortified the city walls Well, Sennacherib, he's on his way. He's the king of Assyria, and he's encircled around Jerusalem. He's already taken captive Edom, Moab, and Ammon, as well as many Philistine cities. Well, what's Hezekiah to do? He can't call upon these other people to join an alliance with them to strengthen his forces because they've already surrendered. Sennacherib has come down from the the north, He's come around to the east of Jerusalem, to the south of Jerusalem, the west of Jerusalem. All that's left is this one city to take. Well, what does he do? He demands a heavy tribute from Hezekiah. The only way that Hezekiah could pay this was taking all the money out of the treasury and taking the gold from out of the temple and just saying, there you go, this is it. This is all I have left. I don't have anything more. And then Sennacherib came and encircled around Jerusalem itself. It's interesting that in the mid 1800s, a stone was discovered by a gentleman called Colonel Taylor, and it's named Taylor's Prism, and you can see it today in the British Museum. And there it includes Sennacherib's own version of what we have just read. You can see this prism, this stone today. And on it is written these words. I took 46 of Hezekiah's strong walled cities as well as their small towns in the area. I took 200,150 people away from them and counted them as spoil. Hezekiah, like a caged bird, I shut up in Jerusalem. His cities, which I had despoiled, I cut off from his land. You can read that today. This confirms Isaiah chapter 36, verse 1, exactly what Isaiah had talked about. Sennacherib came down to Jerusalem, but what Sennacherib leaves out on this stone that we have in the British Museum is that he never took Jerusalem. He doesn't want to speak about his failures. He wasn't able to capture the city. He surrounded it for sure. And like a bird in a cage, he did have Hezekiah trapped. But something occurred which prevented him from taking Jerusalem captive. Well, what was that? The Assyrians, they come down through Syria, through Israel, into Judah and into and around the city of itself. And Sennacherib decides to send a delegation from Assyria to talk to the representatives of Hezekiah. Remember that Hezekiah had removed the sacred places, smashed the sacred stones, was trying to get rid of all the idol worship out of Judah. His concern was that Yahweh be worshipped, he alone he believed in God's power, he trusted in God, even though he'd seen the Philistines defeated. But now here's the test. You're king of this city, you're responsible for the inhabitants and the great army is surrounding the walls outside. Well, Shakur is not a name, but it's the title or position. He's cupbearer to Sennacherib. And interesting, as we already saw in Isaiah chapter 7, he comes to the very place where Isaiah had said to Hezekiah's father, Ahaz, don't work this out your own way, but trust in the Lord. And Ahaz, if you may remember, did not. And there at this very same place, the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field, Now, Hezekiah's representatives meet with Sennacheribs. Three-man delegation from Hezekiah met the delegation from Sennacherib, and Rabshakeh was its spokesperson. Here again, interesting. Rabshakeh, he has no, no interest, no concern for Hezekiah. He doesn't even call him a king. He, king, he calls the king of Assyria a king, but Hezekiah, oh, he's a man of empty words. Don't listen to him. And you can't rely on Egypt to save you. Egypt may be stronger than Judah, but look, look at us Assyrians. We, we can overpower Egypt. Well, they're the same words that Isaiah had already said in chapter 30. No, don't trust in Egypt. It's like a splintered reed of a staff and it will pierce the hand of anybody who leans on it. But Rabshakeh went even further than that. He says this, Yahweh, God, cannot be trusted. Why would, he asked the question, why would Yahweh want to help Hezekiah when Hezekiah has torn down all the high places and smashed the sacred stones? Well, what Rabshakeh didn't know was that Hezekiah's heart was turned toward Yahweh and that he did this out of obedience. So now Rabshakeh begins to brag. Oh, he says, look, even if we gave you 2,000 horses, you wouldn't have 2,000 men who would be able to ride them. He says, Yahweh's on our side. He's on a serious side. Yahweh has helped us to claim the victory. Not you. Now, in part, what Rabshakeh had said was true, that God had used Assyria in judgment against the Jews. But he went beyond what Isaiah had claimed, saying that Yahweh could not be trusted. Rabshakeh's three points were this, chapter 36, verse 8, 9, and 10. Judah, you're not strong enough to withstand us. Egypt don't don't rely on them they're of no help at all to you and even Yahweh will not help you if you want evidence you've only got to see the places that we've already taken captive Rabshakeh said God didn't want Hezekiah to remove the altars and idols on the high places and it was that Yahweh himself who had told Sennacherib Uh, told Sennacherib to come and attack Jerusalem well what's the response the advisors sent by Hezekiah now they're at the city walls and they imagine right a row of people standing on the city walls hearing all this And the representatives from Hezekiah don't want the people to hear these words because that will turn them to be fearful and afraid. So they say this, let's stop talking in Hebrew. That's the language that everybody understands and let's instead speak in Aramaic. Those on the city walls, they can hear us. They're going to end up afraid. Rabshakeh says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. I'm the highest officer of Sennacherib's army. I'm not going to change languages because you ask of it. I demand your surrender instead. And then Rab Shaka and his men, they turn to face those who are standing up there on the walls of Jerusalem. And they say these words, don't trust your king. Hezekiah can't save you. Well, it's true, Hezekiah and himself, he couldn't save them. And then to those listening, he gave these promises. He says this, he says, look, if you submit to Assyria, every one of you, just for a short time, you can go back to your own fields and families and there'll be wealth and prosperity, but we will take you into exile. We will take you captive Even that he's trying to portray as some pleasant experience for those who are standing up there on the walls. But this is the point where he goes further and he says this, do not trust God. The gods of the other nations have proven to you that they are nothing in comparison to our God. Oh, the gods of the other nations, they may be superior to Yahweh, but our gods, oh, in comparison to Yahweh, he is nothing. He can be defeated also. See the great shift from Yahweh has told us to defeat you to Yahweh himself will be defeated by our gods. So Rabshakeh challenges Yahweh to a contest. People didn't say anything; they were silent. Second Kings chapter 18, verse 36: They were commanded not to speak. And now Hezekiah's representatives—they think this is the end. What can we do? So they mourn; they tear their clothes. And then Hezekiah's response is given to us in chapter 37. Hezekiah himself, he mourns. He wraps himself in mourning clothes. I know this is a happy man. I couldn't find a face of a similar guy with a sad face in mourning. He wrapped himself in mourning clothes. He sent a high ranking delegation to Isaiah while he himself went into the temple compound. In crisis, he needed to hear from God God, they're right there. They're right there. We're going to lose our city. We're crying out to you. He's already wiped out 46 cities. This is the last city remaining in Judah. The delegation sent to Isaiah referred to Yahweh as God. Isaiah's God, not their own. They recognised that they had been disobedient. They come to Isaiah and says, your God, your God, even though they're Jews themselves. This Assyrian officer has defiled Yahweh and now it was hoped that Yahweh would defy his mocking words. And what's Isaiah's response? Chapter 37, verse five. He says this. Isaiah sends a message. Hezekiah, you are to receive the same message that was given to your father Ahaz, but where he did not trust in God, you are to trust in God. For Rabshakeh has blasphemed Yahweh. And secondly, God is going to put a spirit in Sennacherib that will influence his thoughts and actions. He'll hear about a rumor which will force him to return to Nineveh where he shall be killed. The king of Assyria will be cut down by his own in his own land. Well, Rabshakeh, he goes back to Sennacherib, empty-handed. Jerusalem has refused to surrender. You imagine Sennacherib, he's furious. I promised them wealth and prosperity, the people. I promised that if they gave in to me that I would look after them. Oh, eventually I'd take them captive. I promised them that they needed to make an alliance with me and that they didn't have to fight against me. But now, now, those promises haven't come to fruition. He's ready to attack. He's ready to go into Jerusalem, all guns blazing. But would you believe it? Just at that very time as he's marshalling his armies, to go over the walls and to attack Jerusalem, he hears that there is another battle that needs to be fought. And so he takes his army out from around around the walls of the city of Jerusalem to this other place. But before he does that, he sends a letter to Hezekiah telling him, this is what I'm going to do. I haven't stopped. I'm coming back. Well, Hezekiah, he was devastated. Again, he thinks that the threat hasn't gone away. It's still as real as it always has been. And so he goes back into the temple. And Hezekiah prays and he spreads this letter that Sennacherib has sent to him. Lays it out before the Lord, cries out to God, the God of hosts, leader of the angelic armies, God of Israel, creator of all, please save your people. Deliver your people because of who you are and what you can do. The greatest tool that Hezekiah had was prayer. Prayer and trust. Well, Sennacherib did fail to take Jerusalem. Assyria wouldn't last. And even though there was this threat of words and even though Hezekiah was scared to death, God's promise was Assyria will be cut down and they will be cut down because of their arrogance. Sure, they've got myriads of chariots but their confidence is in their military equipment. Like a tree, they'll be cut down because they have blasphemed God. They are merely a tool in God's hand. At this time, the Assyrians, when they used to capture cities, they used to take the people and they used to put hooks in their noses and then with a rope drag them away as captives. And God says, this is what I'm going to do to the Assyrians. Give them a taste of their own. I'm going to put hooks in the noses of the Assyrians. And Judah, because your king has trusted in me, I'm going to bring to you a plentiful harvest. Oh, this first year, you'll just have to wheat what's already been sown. But come the third year, the harvest. Oh, there'll be so much produce. Well as I said before Sennacherib could begin his attack on Jerusalem a second front was developing in Egypt so he marched down with his army down to Egypt and there in the middle of the night the angel of the Lord struck 185,000 soldiers of the Assyrian army dead. Sennacherib couldn't believe it. His army was now completely decimated. He couldn't accomplish what he wanted to do in attacking Jerusalem. He went back to his own country, his tail between his legs, and 20 years later, his two own sons murdered him. It's a miracle, absolute miracle. Trust, whom do you trust? Whom do you trust when those situations occur? You feel, who can I call on? Who's going to help me in this situation? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. We read it over and over again in scripture, don't we? Keep your trust. Keep your trust in the Lord. Let's pray father a miracle really we try as best to put ourselves in that situation lord to think of an army surrounding us and and any moment that we would be defeated lord but because because of trust in you lord a miracle occurred maybe lord that some here this morning lord are facing or going through a crisis situation lord helpless and hopeless who can i who can help me in this but your word is sure lord sure it was yesterday, sure as it was in Isaiah's day, sure as it is today and will be tomorrow. The word to each of us is this, trust me, trust me, see what I can do. We do put our trust in the living God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What a God we have this morning. Let's stand together. What a hope we have this morning. We're going to sing the
1: hymn of heaven. And what a hope he's given us this morning. Let's express that hope and that trust this morning as we sing.
0: Just a little announcement that the tea and coffee cart that we normally go to for tea and coffee, instead we're having tea and coffee served from the foyer here, from the little um, uh, kitchen area there instead of the cart. Barista coffee is still on as normal. Let's pray together. Now to God who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, says Paul, and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery That was kept secret for long ages but is now disclosed and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the gentiles according to the command of the eternal god to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise god through jesus christ to whom be the glory forever amen